fuck were you thinking about here? Chase, don't do that. It's just been revoked. All right, uh, welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, we're here on episode 16 now uh, to discuss the 1964 film Fistful of Dollars, or A Fistful of Dollars, depending on which one you want to go with. Um, they're both out there. So um, you're joined uh, by myself, G-Baby, and as always, the usual suspect, Steve. How are you, friend? Doing well. How about you? I'm doing all right. Hanging in yeah. there, as they like oh, to yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, kind of same old, same old. Just my, my grandma used to say, uh, we're in pretty good shape for the shape we're in. <laughs> I feel like that's like a, a verse or a chorus in a song. I guess like some deja vu. Maybe not. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really getting psyched about fall because we're once it to me. Some people are like, it's not even close. It is though, because <laughs> like you, the way my mind works is like May, June, and July. That's summertime, and then just like the change like seeing it and being on the calendar in August makes me think of autumn makes me think of, of the leaves changing and Holly Halloween's right around the corner. So I know some people, they say spooky season starts like July, the first week of July or something. Cause you're on nobody says that. <laughs> um, I wish it was, I wish it was fall. It's going to be triple digits here every day, all day, forever. I saw that for like the next 10 days and then like the high water oh, mark God. is like a 103 backed up to like a 105. Yeah. Screw the, the worst, the worst part is, is when you see the lows start creeping up higher and higher. It's, it's not so bad when the, when the low is like 60, you know, cause things can cool down at night and yeah. And but when the like low creeps up to like seventies <laughs> or like, God forbid you get a low of 80, it's like, there's just no fucking relief ever. But yeah. Yep. Yeah, I can't. Other than that, so thing, things are great. Right on. Yeah, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. I think like the next ten days here are like partly cloudy and a high of 79. Oh, gorgeous. For like ten days, dude. It fucking pissed like a cow, or it pissed rain like a cow <laughs> pissing on a flat rock this morning. I swear to God, we got like three and a half inches in like 15 minutes. Thunder <laughs> crackling. It was like black at 8 a.m. So, I love that, like the the variation here in the Midwest that you have, like coming from someone that's in California, it's like, it really is like perfect weather, if that's your thing, you know, clear skies, blue skies, like 289 days out of the year. You should be working for the uh, tourism board or something, because you've already got, what, half a dozen people to move out there. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, dude. Yeah, that's kind of just like the way the chips fell um, and like the specific familial setup and, and all those things. But yeah, from an outsider's, it's like, yeah, we're really fucking selling Northeast Indiana like a motherfucker. That's so funny. It must have been like an Onion article or something where it was like, uh, U-Haul has announced its salesperson of the year is California Governor Gavin Newsom because of all the people that are getting the fuck out of this state and they can't keep yeah. their trucks here. Yeah, 
Dude, it was murder trying to like secure something to move, like some moving, any moving service. I'm sure, I don't know what the rates are, but they have to be like 2x what they were like yeah. pre-COVID. Um, I mean, fuck, diesel's like almost seven bucks a gallon out here. So. Dude, yeah, diesel's insane right now. Yeah, I can't believe how fucking high it is. I think out here it's like 580 something, maybe like 610 it just bumped up to. Hmm. But yeah, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Um, all right, so um, let's see. I, I don't really have anything for new sayings uh, that I wanted to bring up, but there there is one, though, and I'm curious. We could call it the, like, the gym colloquial corner or some, something <laughs> cutesy like that. I like that. Dude, <laughs> funny, funny synchronicity here. Colloquial, I was in a fucking spelling bee in, like, third or fourth grade, and colloquial is the one that fucking nipped me. Damn, I got. I, got I was br- I, I was in the spelling bee in like second or third grade, and I'm a I'm, I've always been a really good speller. It, well, at least when I was a kid, but I choked so hard <laughs> under the pressure. You know, there's like those preliminary rounds where it's like cat or some, you know super easy shit to just weed out the like special needs kids. K-A-T. I think I went out like first or second round just on some super easy word. Like, like, like the walrus. pressure just got me. It was bad. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I got pretty deep, dude. There were some words I had never fucking heard before in like fourth grade, like namely colloquial. That was I was like, Ugh. like I almost had a stroke just hearing them say <laughs> yeah. that word. I was like, I'm seeing like C's, K's, Q's, U's, like. Yeah. I I don't know. I didn't even know remember what my spelling guess was, but it was. It was not even close, but, um, yeah. So one I picked up on recently is like, uh, and it's almost like the thing that I, th- I think I hate about it the most is how it, it's come out of nowhere and I'm noticing it more and more like culturally. And then, uh, it like, it's like a perversion of American English and it's like got this like cutesy kind of like, like content creators it's like it, it's i feel like it's been pushed from that arena but it's like okay so have you ever heard when you know when um you're like i don't even know what that is like if you would say that i don't even know what that is i've been um, hearing more and more people say what even is that yeah have you do you know what i'm talking about um how did that get yeah, slipped it, in it, as acceptable to say that? Uh, well that phrase in particular makes me think there's like this funny video. I might have even sent it to you a while back where this guy, I think he had rented out his house for like an Airbnb and they were throwing this huge party and he shows up and he's just raging <laughs> at, the, at the people who rented it. And there's this person who looks at the guy and is like, daddy, chill. And he looks at them and is like, what the hell even is that? Because <laughs> <laughs> it calls him daddy. <laughs> daddy, yeah. chill. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. So, um, have you heard that other places? Video, it's pretty funny. Have you picked up on that? That that's like something people say now. Not really, but I've seen it more. more. I don't know. I don't. I don't really spend a whole lot of time out in. I don't know. I'm an old man, dude. I don't spend a lot of time around the kids. Yeah, I think I try to keep my pulse on it because I like that kind of shit. But 
more so the older I get, the more old man, like, get off my lawn I am about stuff. But I'm trying sure. to stay up on this shit for, like, when my kids, because my daughter is almost six already. And then I have a son on the way. Fuck, by the time they're teenage, like. Your, your son's if, already born. Or, yeah, he. I don't even know what I said. I'm stream of consciousness right now. He's he's super young, is what I'm saying. Like he's yes. seven months old. But by the time they're both, <laughs> by the time they're both teenagers, if I don't stay up on the shit, by the time they're teenagers, I'll have missed like seven iterations of like cultural like memory and slang and lingo. Sure. So I'm yeah. I'm trying I'm trying to attack it from like some sometimes it's fun, um, but I'm trying to attack it from like. So I can understand. You are gonna be the most cornball dad to teenage <laughs> no, kids. Like no. you're gonna you're gonna drop them off at the movies and be like, hope it hope it's lit, fam. Hope like, it's lit. It's AF. It's thirty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in my heart of hearts, I'd I'd be lying if I said I wasn't like striving at least part of me, like to want to be cool still when that sure. time comes. But um yeah, more so it's like I want to know, like, because who knows what kids are going to be into in 15 years, you know, like the speed of shit. Like, I've already caught myself, like, left in the dust with my niece and nephew who are, like, mm-hmm. right there, like, 14, and the other one just got her, like, license. And they're into, like, K-pop and, like, all this weird shit that I'm just, like, we are lost. Like, I have no yeah. concept of well, what's going on. Well, hopefully things... I mean, things do seem to go in cycles where old right. becomes new again. So hopefully it, it'll circle back at some point so you're not just getting further and further and further disconnected, you know? Right. What, I think a secret hope of mine, too, is you know how, like, the 80s has, like, been a big fucking nostalgia hard-on for, like, the last 15 years, I feel like it's sure. been? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that because my prime time was, like, the 90s. So yeah, maybe same here. 10 or 15 years they'll start fucking like rediscovering like my brother and me and shit and we can watch the goo show like... <laughs> what? or some That's... kid is like hey have you ever seen the mighty ducks like i've seen all of them a million times what do you want to know yeah and then start like re- vicariously reliving childhood through them watching like heavyweights yeah. and shit get on the scale get off the scale <laughs> Speaking of get off my lawn and I mean, personally, I hate kids. So yeah. <laughs> the, the less, less interactions I can have with them at any age, the better. Yeah. Up until, cause sometimes I golf with, they pair you up with random strangers and I've played with some kids who are 17, 18, 19. And th- there are some good kids out there that are young. So I can't, I can't say all of them, but uh, speaking of get off my lawn, we had these neighbor kids across the street that were just, so obnoxious 24 7 i hated these fucking kids <laughs> and did i tell you the story already the one where i got to spray the kid in the face with a hose no definitely not so there and their dad was a huge piece of shit too which makes sense that you know a, a shitty parent raises a, yeah. a brood of shitty kids yeah so there's like this tree in our front yard that sometimes their little kickballs would get stuck in or whatever and so there was one that they they couldn't reach or knock out with like a broom handle or whatever. So they came over and uh, disturbed me in my castle. And the only thing I could think of was to like get the hose and put like a, uh, the super tight nozzle on it to just yeah. like blast it out of the tree. The fucking proton and, stream. And the dad, the dad is being like a total douche. The kids are being so annoying. And 
Uh, so like I'm spraying the ball and I don't know why, like what possessed me to do this or how I was able to get away with it. But I went from just like spraying up into the tree, trying to get the ball out of the air to just leveling the hose right in the kid's face and just <laughs> blasting him with water. And then just quickly went right back up to spraying it out of the tree. Like, Oh, whoopsie doodle. Watch yourself. <laughs> Like in like in Billy Madison where he's just like spraying the kid right in the face. Yeah. He's crying like <laughs> But yeah, it was just a quick little spray in the tree, boom, right in the face, right back up into the tree. It was so satisfying. How old how old are we talking here, kids? I don't know. It could have been two to twelve. <laughs> no, it was probably like sprayed, nine. The one you little, sprayed little in the shithead. face. <laughs> yeah, it was probably like nine. And the old dad enough. didn't do shit. No, he, I mean, the dad is so checked out. He's just, yeah. He was either didn't give a fuck or like thought it was funny. (laughs) Oh God. I I hated that family. Anyway, so glad they moved. Right on. Yeah, that's awesome. I've never, I I didn't hear that one yet. Oh, that's so fucking funny. It's like you were daydreaming and then it bled into reality and you just did. (laughs) Awesome. Um. All right. Well, uh, I guess so, you know, yeah. We Fist full get, of dollars. Get into this <laughs> thing. Yeah. Swerve. Um. Uh. So, 1964, old ass movie. Uh. I gotta tell you, I kind of struggled with watching this one. Uh, really? Yeah. What'd you think of it? I liked it. I mean, it. It. I wouldn't put it up there as one of those movies where, you know, like a Goodfellas. If somebody says they haven't seen, it, it's like. Oh, you need to stop whatever you're doing and watch it. Like, yeah, it's a classic. But I really enjoyed it. Most probably mostly for um, like nostalgia. My grandpa used to watch a lot of westerns, and I never really got into them because he would always just turn them on and instantly fall asleep, like in his chair. Right. So, you know, I would like gently try to take the remote from his <laughs> stomach. So I never really like watched them with him, but they were just kind of always on. Yeah, but over the last few years, I have I have watched some every now and then, and yeah, I mean, it, it just reminds me of my old grandpa. Is this what was his good, name? Llewellyn. Lowell. Lowell. Damn it. Lowell. Yeah. Anything where I see like L's or there's a double L, I go beeline to Llewellyn from fucking old country. I don't know why. Um, that's cool. Yeah, my grandpa liked a lot of that shit too, and like. Uh, but I was never really exposed to it. I was like never made to or put in a situation where I had to sit and endure it. But uh, so it came like later that I just like, I think I caught, this was one of the first ones probably. It was either a fistful of dollars, this, or I think it's High Plains Drifter. Um, okay. And if that's the one, they're both Clint Eastwood movies. And honestly, they're almost the same movie. Almost. Very I can little, see that. Very little dialogue. Kind of stranger that rolls into a fucking dusty yeah. ass fucking wannabe ghost town, or it's about to be ghost town, and like, it's like gets... I don't want any trouble, guys, and they're yeah. like, we're gonna fuck with you, and he's like, now you all have to die. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but and for I think... for that type of movie, this one really did. It definitely checked all those boxes. I mean, this the what's the difference between a soundtrack and a score? Honestly, I don't know. I think I, when whatever, I think of score, I think of like you know the orchestral or like a background to a movie that's like not a top that 
it, you're not going to hear on the radio. Whereas the soundtrack is like shit that they compile for a movie to sell it, but they also might sprinkle a couple of those songs into the movie. But there's also there's always I feel like a backing score, even if you have a soundtrack like with songs I, I, you sprinkle into. I just thought like kind of thinking about it like maybe the soundtrack is by the songs that are in the movie like top gun or whatever right and then the the score is like the non-song maybe music that's kind of in the background of just different scenes like the flying scenes or whatever right i don't know i i base that upon i think that's close enough um whatever you want to call it i really liked it in this movie a lot it's just like that classic old western yeah soundtrack score whatever yeah the dude who did that score i think his name's Ennio morricone he's like super renowned for uh especially like these spaghetti westerns um and he's he's yeah he's like a highly praised and respected uh composer i guess but yeah like this this one is dope it's got like a it's got a little bit of a different flavor because it is a spaghetti western you can it's got it's got like an international kind of uh western old western thing going on i'm such a dumb son of a bitch up until i saw once upon a time in hollywood where they sort of explain like the origin of what a spaghetti western is right i had no idea what it was i'd always heard that expression and like the thought never crossed my mind of what does that mean? I just, I right. just always assumed it meant like a corny kind of like goofy Western movie mm-hmm. had no, no inclination as to why they called it, nor any desire to look into it for 10 seconds and, and realize why they call it that. So I thought that was funny. Yeah. I was kind of this of the same thing. Like I didn't put it together. Like the first thing that you should think of when you hear it is like, oh, Italians, you know, making westerns mm-hmm. with the whole spaghetti. But yeah, I think up until I don't know, however long, a few years, a decade ago, I just thought of it as like they just put spaghetti in front of western, Arbit- <laughs> like completely arbitrarily, like. Maybe maybe there's some anecdote about the time period when these were popular, but yeah, I didn't I didn't do, I did, I was pretty much the same same way, until I like really dug into it. It wasn't that movie that did it, but like I like looked into it, and it's like oh, and there's all these other facets too of like, you know, people being under contract by studios in the states, so to to, you know, get around that, and the loophole was to go film something in while well, you have you know, a break in between movies or your shows, you can go over to Italy or somewhere in Europe and film something and, uh, and then come back and hit money both ways. But, um, that's what, uh, Brittany, Brittany Griner was doing, going over to play basketball in Russia, but she brought weed with her and now she's locked up abroad. (laughs) It's like, what are you thinking? Like weed and Russia are like the two things that are like, that's like, and they are not very friendly towards the gay community either. So she's probably having a real hard time. Yeah, that's like oil and water. Like, luckily, I think she's like six eight. So I, I doubt anybody's really fucking with her in, in women's prison over there. Yeah, dude, can you imagine like a roundhouse leg kick coming at you, like with that leg span? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a damn horizontal guillotine. Um. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, the, so this is a spaghetti western, and I guess like a lot of people, uh, this is some of the background that I was able to look at. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, Fistful of Dollars, uh, Sergio Leone, Ennio Morricone, Clint Eastwood. That, that's the first, and it's actually not one of the first spaghetti westerns. And I think that's a lot with like uh, like niche things and like you know sub these like super specific subgenres. There's always one movie that people can like typically point to and look at and be like that's the beginning of cyberpunk or that's the beginning of this or that's this is the beginning of spaghetti western when it's actually there's a lot of pioneers usually that pave the way that are like dog shit and then it takes mm-hmm. one that like that gets that formula gets that secret it's like the, right. it's like the tipping point yeah right. when it when it yeah. finally becomes more popular another so, yeah another one... um oh go ahead sorry sorry i was just gonna say also from the, the chapter of the book, I'm really, really dumb about this movie. <laughs> I was watching it and like, I'd always heard the term spaghetti Western. I didn't realize that's what this was one of those until mm-hmm. later. And so I'm watching the movie and obviously pretty early on, you can see that voices are dubbed over. Oh yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck are they? Are these guys speaking Spanish? Like, cause I thought maybe they just used like authentic Mexican actors or whatever i'm like wait so why the fuck they recorded it in spanish and then dubbed it over in english but he's speaking english and then you know as i started to think about it, i was like oh no that that doesn't that it's not spanish and then i was like are these guys italian what the fuck and so yeah, yeah. i just had like a mental breakdown watching it <laughs> and sort of sort of put the pieces together like oh this has got this has got to be one of those foreign made yeah and it's funny i always i always wondered that too like like how is the sound so off like i get it if like you're employing people that speak like a different language and you just got them for the film and they there's not enough time or they don't for whatever reason they can't even recite the lines in english you know like Mm -hmm. reading a, a cue card behind or whatever um that it would make sense that they're mouths don't match the dubbing but then why is it all fucked up when like it's like people like clint eastwood he's clearly can speak english and his shit doesn't match up and i guess in this movie specifically it's because uh they had a low budget and like they had sound issues throughout the production so they ended up dubbing everything including english yeah that was very that was like the most interesting little piece of trivia i read was all of the footage was filmed silently. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Cause they were having so many issues. They were like, okay, just fuck it. We'll, we'll just do it all in post. You know, and <laughs> we'll, like, do it live. we'll do it live. But then like, when you do that, it's like the way some, someone's mouthing someone, it might be quicker than like how it's actually verbalized. So you can't get it to sync up. Like I imagine trying to sync up something just to like mouth movements, like audio, that sounds like mm-hmm. such a laborious, like fucking, like bang your head against the wall task, like to have to do that for an hour and, and they probably cut these down, so it was probably even more, like three hours worth of shit, and then they edit it. I don't know, but, um, yeah, that seems like such a weird way of doing it, but yeah, I guess it doesn't, like, look, it doesn't look like a lot <laughs> of effort went into trying to make the <laughs> mouth match the words, but yeah, 
I, I I've seen a lot of people knock this too. Like it's like what carries it through is like the story and some of the individual sure. performances. But yeah, like the the, I mean even that part where they bust out that like minigun thing, it's like there's mm -hmm. no bullet holes, there's no squibs, there's no blood. Some of those guys, they're just like fl they flail their arms and then they fall over arbitrarily yeah. and you, you can't like trace them like a modern good movie like you see like there's a squib and like you can tell like oh he's been hit and then he goes right. down yeah i thought that scene in none of the horses are getting lit up by this no machine yeah gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're just bucking them off and running and there's like a spur a river of bullets just going <sighs> yeah yeah um, the, the the blood thing was certainly noticeable <laughs> or like did you, see, of, but... did you notice too like towards the end like how red that fucking blood was oh, or like yeah. that the shade it's almost like yeah. it was like mixed with like ketchup mixed with like mustard or something like it was almost orangey kind of mm -hmm. yeah it was so bright i don't know what They're that weird. is because that's in a lot of, there's another like uh funky sh sub film subgenre called have you ever heard the term giallo no if you see it red, if you see it like on paper, it's it's spelled a G I A L L O. It's a specific like like spaghetti western. It's a specific like subgenre of Italian horror movie, where like the killer usually it's from his POV when he kills someone, and it's like a slasher kind of movie. And you see like it's like a black glove and like a knife, and then hmm. all all the blood is like that same shade, like. I think the biggest one, like like a, maybe a counterpart to Fistful of Dollars, is like Suspiria. Like a lot of people think Giallo, Italian horror, slasher horror. They think Suspiria, and that it has that same funky ass like red orange crayon, like melted crayon wax is what it looks like. It always yeah, reminds me. Yeah, that's weird. Of, but yeah, uh, so yeah, like some of the production values of this movie are just are pretty piss poor. Um, but yeah, obviously, I think the the story is what uh, carries yeah, this one. Yeah, it it at no point did it really pull me out of it. Yeah, maybe I just kind of knew what I was getting, but it wasn't like, oh come on, what you know, what are we doing here? Yeah. So this one is part of a trilogy, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's called. I've always known it to be called uh, the Man with No Name trilogy but i think there's there's two or three other things that it's called and we can look at that and some of the trivia see if i can isolate it right here but um yeah so this is followed up by um for a few dollars more with okay clint eastwoods and all three uh and then i i think for a few dollars more the second one is probably my favorite uh, because there's okay. this, there's this dude named Lee Lee Van Cleef is in it. Um, he's a pretty famous American Western actor, and he's he's a pretty bad motherfucker in it. He's got he's like a big gun guy, and he's got a horse, uh, and like it's saddled. It's like the special saddle that he has on it. There's a scene where he fucking like he's gonna bust out uh, like one of his dope guns, and he pulls this like slip on the the horse bridle or the horse. Uh, Saddlebag saddle or something, and it fucking folds down like a pair of chef knives, and it's all these oh, nice. dope ass guns. And he takes one; it's like it's like a forty-five revolver, and he has like a, a two-piece like modular thing where he like puts a thing onto like the the butt of the gun, and it becomes like those long uh, 
what do you call oh. those? Like a rifle? Uh, yeah. It's got like a grip. buttstock that you can... Yeah, exactly. And then he puts something on the front that elongates the barrel, and then there's like an aperture that comes up that you can like sight through. Oh, so he, he like turns... Yeah, he turns it a handgun into a rifle. I think they would yeah. call that a carbine. I don't know. There's a scene he's like showing off basically. He fucking slips that thing. It fucking rolls up and this guy's running away from him and he's he's like, you know, cool as a cucumber. Sets this thing up all dope and he fucking waits till he's like super far away. And yeah. He's like, fucking drops him like a set. It's super cool. Nice. But yeah, that one's probably my favorite. But then I think the most well-known or like, like, uh, the consensus is most people would say that they like the good, bad, and the ugly the most. Um, and you probably and is, heard so that's, that's in is like it the like cultural a, zeitgeist. Is it, is it a clear like story continuation or is it kind of just like different chapters that are sort of unrelated to each other? Yeah. It's to- the latter. Like they're, they're, they're their own like standalone. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I mean, this film the first one, Fistful of Dollars, it doesn't even really, you don't get any backstory on Clint Eastwood. You don't right. even know his name unless if you have like subtitles on. I think that Undertaker dude, Piro Piro, mm-hmm. calls him Joe one or two times. Yeah. Are you um, a subtitle guy? I go subtitles almost all the time. Yeah. I've noticed that too. Like that's more accepted or like that's like the, that's like almost like a go to now for most people. Like it's become more, more, in vogue or popular to do that but yeah i do uh and i think it started i just miss a lot of stuff yeah i i did too i mean sometimes i would throw it on just for like because i'm a real stickler for like phrasing and shit as you know we got into so like i think it started for me like way back with uh like uh big lebowski i was trying to like nail all the lines and like see you know and uh so it it, it's, it it's really comes that, in handy. It, yeah, I was just it gonna is. say it really comes in handy. Like we've been watching the the new season of Peaky Blinders, oh, and shit. like with yeah. any with any kind of like foreign dialect or accent, it's super helpful. Otherwise, I'd be like, "What the fuck did he just say?" Like, yeah, you know, let alone just normal stuff. Yeah, I I didn't really start doing it with like everything until uh, the movie The Witch came out. It's the one that's spelled with, like, two Vs. It looks like The Vich. Mm-hmm. It was released in, like, 2015, I think. Um, I think I've seen it. I don't remember. I feel like I remember being kind of disappointed because I had heard so much about it. Like, it's so disturbing and so messed up. And then I watched it. Like, this is kind of tame. Yeah. I think it's a great film. But on first watch, I was expecting something completely different. So I was let down a little bit two mm. on my very first like gut reaction i was like i was wanting something more hardcore but uh subsequent viewings i i understand what it is now and i enjoyed it like mm. my second watch was like way more enjoyable because i knew what i was getting into but like yeah all the hype and like the okay. trailer even like made me think a different way but yeah that one's like it's like that puritanical like pilgrim like super mm-hmm. early american english so it's still like it's almost like, uh, and they're like really religious too. So there's a lot of like deaths and that kind of shit. But yeah, mm-hmm. that one's like, it's like pretty much necessary, like mandatory that you have to have that on to be able to even follow the story because everyone's like so historically accurate in how like fuck like that 
crazy pig Latin. Um, shut up with that filthy pig Latin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, that, I mean, that sure makes sense. That's kind of how I like when I, uh, I didn't really like the hateful eight the first time I watched it and we may have talked about this before, but then the second time knowing what I was getting in for, I was able to enjoy it for what it was instead of what I was expecting and then being a little disappointed, but yeah, maybe I should give it another shake because I really hated it, and I've only I only watched it the one time, and I was like, "Fuck that movie!" But yeah, I was in. I remember I was in Phoenix, and I can't remember if I told any of this, but uh, I was down there for uh, counting cards, and I just got completely burned, and had like a shit ton of time to kill. I had like three or four days where I just could do nothing, like I couldn't play anywhere, and so I was just just in time killing mode, hardcore. And so I was like, well, here's a long ass movie that'll take up a huge chunk of time. And uh, yeah, so I enjoyed it second time around. Yeah. I think uh, subtitles, I have to have them on now for everything for fear of missing something. So I just put them on all the fucking time. Um, Did you end up finishing uh, the black phone? Yes, I did. It actually just came out on uh, streaming to rent, and oh, okay. so yeah, so I rewatched it from beginning to end with with the wife, and we really liked it. I thought it was great. I liked it too. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was dope. I guess if I wanted to be really hardcore on it, I wish it would have had a little bit of an extra something, but um, I liked it. Yeah. It was it was great. The, I think the mo- the biggest thing was the kid actors, the brother and sister. Yeah, were dude, the sister awesome. I thought yeah. did like such a much better job than the brother did, in my opinion. I was, I don't know, I was uh, I was just really impressed with her the entire time. Yeah, yeah, she was great. I put them neck and neck. I think I think the bro- spoiler alert because I know this is a, a pretty new movie, but uh, earmuffs. Uh, for the black phone, the the fucking scene when he takes the dude out at the end, when he traps him, gets the ankle, and he fucking does that slide jump. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Just been revoked. Um, and I like Ethan Hawke too. I'm I'm a big Ethan Hawke fan in anything he's in. So, uh, I thought he did a good job. He played a fucking weirdo. Um, yeah, he did a really good job. I think the the one thing I didn't like is I don't like that Upham actor. Sure. Dad. I mean, how could you? Something about him. And he's played that kind of weird, like, broken human being, like, with the trembly voice in a, in a few other things. Like, he, he, had a, he played a fucking weirdo like that in uh, an episode of Hannibal, and, and, epi- and he was in Lost for a little while. Um mm. <laughs> I thought he was okay in the movie, but yeah, he does have that like just really weaselly. Yeah, I mean, even in even in Twister, which is one of my favorite movies, like God, you're just such a little shit. Yeah, yeah, he's got that market cornered for sure. Um, the other thing was like the whole the brother living in the same house. I was like, that was probably yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like expose it like this ruined it for me, but uh, I thought that was the weakest part of the whole thing. I would agree. It was a little, it was a little too cutesy of a bait and switch kind of thing. I will say there was one 
really good fucking jump scare. I think maybe the middle, somewhere between like the third, the first third and the middle where he gets that first or second phone call and it's just showing you the front of him like this. And then it like turns and the fucking ghosty who's on the other end of the line is like right there. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I thought, I thought you were going to say the one where the the kid is like laying upside down. That was freaky as shit too, but I was already like on Spidey sense mode at that point because it's, it's the one that directly precedes that one. So it's like the first ghost that, that the audience sees. Okay. There was a, there was a gal. I was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) There was a gal in front of me in the theater and there was like three times just during the previews, she did like an involuntary like jump. She would jump and then like cover her face because she just felt like so embarrassed. Like, oh my god, I just I just jumped. My ass came fully disconnected from this chair, and we haven't even started the movie. And Dude. it was it was so funny to watch because then you could tell she was like, get it together, get it together. <laughs> Don't be freaked out. And then, yeah, there was like four or five parts in the movie where she would just react and then be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I have no shame. I, I, it'd be interesting to be like, a, to have a bird's eye view of, I did that one time when I saw The Conjuring back in like 2013 or 2012 when it came out in theater. And my ass became, there was one scene in particular where my ass was completely disconnected from my seat. And I feel like I jumped up like three feet in the air. Like I remember specifically, my feet went above my head. Yeah. Like my knees, my knee went above my head. Like it just, it like involuntarily, like something like picked me up and like pushed me forward. Like it was, it freaked me out. Like whole chest grabbing. Oh shit! Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that shit though, because it like gets your adrenaline going. It's like you're going on a roller coaster. Um. It's got to be done. It's got to be done sparingly. I think. I, I feel like yeah. it's kind of a cheap crutch to be leaned on. Right. But if it if it's just kind of done sporadically, I'm I'm fine with it. But yeah. if they're if they're doing it a lot, then it's like, come on. Yeah, and there's for sure. I mean, anything that's popular, like it's gonna get milked by an entire movie, or it'll be overused in a movie. But yeah, I've seen it like done where it's like okay, this is the pitch for the movie. Jump scares. Yeah. Yeah. You lay it in strategically, like meticulously in like perfect opportune spots. Then yeah, totally. Um, I feel like we haven't even really talked about this movie yet. So you want to breeze through just like what this one's about real quick? Sure. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think, think it's, I don't think our, it's necessary tangents uh i mean it's a pretty simple pretty simple storyline you know nondescript man wanders into a town that has been taken over by two rival gangs one specializes in booze the other in arms and he basically just finds a way to milk both sides playing both against each other and I don't know if I missed it or if it if it comes up in the next movie, but I feel like when it ended, I was expecting him to find that big stash, like or to take that big stash of gold. You know, like he found it at one point, but mm-hmm. I was hoping it would show him going and going and getting it. Yeah, I think it was trying to show, like, you know, 
maybe he's changed her a little bit like by having gone through that and like his his main motivator or driver isn't just the money to mm. try to like you know maybe like uh elevate him to like a more respectable character but yeah i mean that was his whole drive the entire movie up until that point but i mean he, there's a tonal change too when he sees like the significance when he realizes who that little kid is in relation to the woman that's been absconded and like held against her will then it's like oh mm -hmm. okay like he like this is me caring about shit and not this gruff like i'm out to just fuck over whoever it and I'll, I'll just play both sides and walk away with the money. Um, I'm excited to see the next one. Like, is there any story continuation from this one? Or is it zero. also him just kind of wandering and just finding another town with people who'd need to get fucking killed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. I forgot to answer your question okay. previously. Yeah. It's completely zero. And honestly, I didn't even know that this is supposed to be a trilogy until like years hmm. and years after I saw the third one. It's like people are like, oh yeah, the no name, the man with no name trilogy, and honestly, I can't even see it. The only thing to me that connects them is that they were all directed by the same director and they star Clint Eastwood. There's literally no other. I think in like I think I'm pretty sure you don't even know his real name in all three. He in each movie he gets called a different like nickname thing. Like in the first one, they call him like. Gringo, the Americano, the Yankee, the, the Undertaker calls him Joe like twice. I can't remember mm -hmm. what he goes by in uh, two. Is it Manco? I think one dude starts calling him like Manco. And uh, in the third one, he's he. It, the third one's kind of funny. It's kind of like Lethal Weapon 3 where he gets like connected by the at the hip with like a comedic guy, like a little Joe Pesci, but not quite. Oh, nice. uh, and it's just him. So, uh, so it's, yeah, it's Clint Eastwood and this other dude. And he calls him Blondie the whole movie. Huh. So you really don't know who the fuck he is. You don't get any backstory at all. Uh, I think there's like a glimmer, like he intimates that maybe he had a family or he had a wife that was like gunned down or something. And then he was just like, okay, I'm numb. I'm, I'm just going to fucking be like a, outlaw kind of and yeah. help help out when it like something pulls at my heartstrings but um yeah, yeah you can I mean, go in you can watch any... them in any order there's no connection whatsoever if there's anything like this one it's i mean i don't mean it as a put down but it's not like there's a ton of depth of story but no it's certainly very enjoyable to watch that's for sure yeah i would say the third one probably has the most uh uh, story development. I think the third one's probably the like because they had been doing them for quite a while, and by that time, like when Clint Eastwood made this first movie, he wasn't like a name, you know. Like this is mm. kind of what propelled him uh, as a western star, and because uh, yeah, this was '64. Before this, he was like a side character on Rawhide in the states. Uh, I think he started doing that in like '59 or 1960. Then he did this while he was on a break from doing some other shit that he was on a contract for. And then by the time he had made the second one of this and then the third, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, he went and did like four or five other spaghetti westerns, like High Plains Drifters, one. Um, 
there's another one that's really renowned that I can't think of right now. It's like Pale something or... Anyway, I, I like High Plains Drifter a lot. I think, actually, when I think about it more, High Plains Drifter is like a better version of Fistful of Dollars. But mm. by the time, yeah, that they had made the third and final of this trilogy, the Good, Bad, and the Ugly, like, it's way more polished. Like, the dubbing is a lot tighter. It's still filmed with a lot of Italian crew. Like, the production value is cleaner, smoother. Like, it's just better. Um, yeah, and it's it's so weird to me. And I feel like we've talked about this before, where this movie's 60 years old. So imagine at the time it was being made, thinking about something made in like 1900 you know like yeah it just that's nuts it's just it's just weird to think about like that yeah you think of like old like chaplin films that almost look like they're like stop motion almost like whatever technology they fucking had like a flip book you know like a camera just taking a billion pictures in a row and then getting some kind of mechanical contraption to like flip it like a flip book like with your thumb and you see like moving pictures but uh motion pictures um <laughs> oh that's why they call it that <laughs> i never uh, thought about it that is kind of trippy to think about though like like we're as far apart from that as it was to the 1900s when they made it it's like fuck that's weird the talkies uh, yeah um I, I do have i have one uh interest that i had i had no clue about this fact, but um, I guess, so this movie, Fistful of Dollars, is like a shot-for-shot remake of a Japanese film by the, like, renowned uh, Japanese screenwriter and director Akira Kurosawa um, uh, called Yojimbo that he made in 1961, which was uh, itself based on a unadapted 1929 novel called Red Harvest. Um, so it was so like blatant and like, uh, at the time when this came out in 1964, 1965, uh, it was so blatantly a shot for shot remake and complete ripoff of Yojimbo that, uh, the movie's U S release was delayed when the screenwriters, Akira Kurosawa and Ryuzo Kikishima sued the filmmakers of Fistful of Dollars for a breach of copyright. They won, and as a result, 15% of this movie, Fistful of Dollars, uh, worldwide gross and exclusive distribution rights for Japan, Taiwan, and South Korea went to uh, Kurosawa and his screenwriter partner. Um, and then... It's uh, pretty crazy that it's only 15%, right? It's If it's a total blatant ripoff as determined by whatever, the court system, it's like, uh, no, motherfucker, we're taking if not all of it, like half, like let's split it. I think the, the main difference maybe they got over on was that this was like set and dressed as like a Western and Yojimbo was like a samurai, like, like a Japanese film. So yeah, they even didn't though, even, they didn't even wait that long, just a couple of years. Yeah. Like three know? years. Yeah. It's pretty wild. And it's funny too. He said, uh, Kurosawa said when they released the film in Japan, he made it a point to retitle this movie, The Return of Yojimbo, as like a slap in the face to the people who made this one, Sergio Leone. And then he went on, he was interviewed later in life, and he said he made more money off of Fistful of Dollars from that 15% than he did make with Yojimbo. So, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking because you, you hear that, you hear that sometimes with, uh, 
you know, Led Zeppelin sues somebody or gets sued because they have a song intro that sounds like something else. Right. And sometimes it's, I feel like the the times I've heard it's like a financial settlement, set, settlement like a dollar amount. Mm-hmm. But it it would be smart in this case if you think it's going to be popular to get like a back end deal. Like, how about we just take a percentage and then when this thing blows up, we just keep getting money. Like, I was reading all all roads seem to lead to Top Gun, but uh, <laughs> I guess Tom Tom Cruise negotiated like a, a lot of back end money on his deal, and it's just for the newest one that just came out. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's smart. It's crazy that like the movie studios and all of them haven't like like figured it out yet. I guess it is a gamble on Tom Cruise's part because I mean, people could have came out against it because he's a Scientologist, or the movie could have just like really sucked ass, and it could have it could have gone the studio's way by like having maybe to pay him less than he would have made if they would have offered him like a flat fee, like or a contract mm-hmm. for starring in it. But I mean. So Imagine if you have like risk. this back end deal going and COVID hits and they're like, we're not going to do a theatrical release. We're just going to release it to, you know, Voodoo and Roku TV. Right. Like there, there goes all your, and I think that wasn't that why Scarlett Johansson Scar- sued jo- Disney. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she was about hurt about uh black widow. Her and... shitty acting. What's up? She was butthurt about her shitty acting. Yeah, she's not a good actress. Um, yeah, she was super butthurt about that whole Disney Plus and the streaming. I think there's been a couple other people that got a little salty about that. That's like Brave New World shit. Like, that hadn't really gone on before. But, um, yeah. I'm just surprised that people haven't got wise to it because I think Robert Downey Jr. did that when with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. After the first Iron Man, like he was, he must have had a fortune teller in his back pocket or something. Because, uh, I mean, even then, it took a few years for that whole MCU thing to like really start building steam. But after he filmed the first Iron Man, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Maybe he even did it before, but he orchestrated all of his, his shit to be back in. And he ended up like, you know, breaking the fucking house by doing that. Like makes me wonder like if they, if they forced him out of the, the franchise because they were like just bleeding so much from him. He's like, your, I, mean, I mean, he's a super popular character. Like why would you kill him off unless he wanted to be done with it? And, I mean, by all accounts, like, I can't see him wanting to walk away from that, like, unless he had to. Sure. But either way, uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting about this, like, that they, uh, that it was a complete almost ripoff from, from that. And that they ended up, that dude ended up making more money on, on his settlement from the original film. It is, a, um, it is a pretty bold strategy to completely rip off something that's only two or three years old. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what the thought process was, but... Uh, Who knows? Maybe back in the 60s, it was like, no one's going to hear about this in Japan. Yeah, I can totally see that, like, being, like, part of that thought process. Like, and, too, back in those days, I don't think things were as so heightened, heightened uh, on like litigation and like right you know 
watching out for all that shit and, and like looking at it as as something that you could potentially capitalize on or like gotcha, you know, like is more like Wild West. Um, yeah, that is, that is curious. Maybe we could do an episode about the history of intellectual property and copyright law. That sounds fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> One of the ones that I think we touched on previously that is really interesting to me interesting to me um is that whole that that funky accounting that goes on like when it when it comes to like uh you know reporting what you spent on like marketing oh, and like all that sure. other shit versus like the actual production of a, a of a movie and like if something does badly or poorly or even if it doesn't if they're just being a super greedy fucks there's that weird i i need to look into it more and i don't want to spiral on this but that one to me is actually interesting. Like that, that Hollywood accounting that they're able to do, um, Mm -hmm. to kind of tip the scales their way, but whatever that fucking loophole is, I can't remember what it's called, but, or the exact mechanisms, but yeah, that one's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Sounds super shady. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much more to say really about this flick. I mean, it's like, yeah, well, like you were saying, he plays, there's a couple of gangs, he plays both sides, and he's like this guy in the middle, just like waiting for them to both fuck each other over and step in and walk away with the cash. And that's pretty much what happens until the very end. He, you know, he sees this woman, Merisol, and uh, who's been estranged or pulled away from her husband and son, and like that's like, hits him, hits Eastwood and the, the heart balls, and, and then so he's like, all right, I'm going to do the right thing, and like, get them to safety and like bring their family back together. I think that's where the best part, the best stuff happens. Like when he takes those two fuckers out with that ginormously, that like laughably large bear, like wine barrel or beer barrel. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> and it's funny that injury, I feel like yielded the most amount of blood. Like what? Yeah. Maybe it wasn't even blood or liquor or something, but I was like, oh, this crushing injury produced a bunch of blood, but you shoot a guy 50 times with a machine gun, he just yeah. falls over. <laughs> um, yeah, that part was was pretty rad. And when he, like, makes the fucking plate metal bulletproof vest thing uh-huh. and, and drops it at the end, that's, that's pretty iconic. I actually knew that before I even knew what this was. Cause that's a scene in back to the future two, uh, when Michael J. Fox goes up to confront Biff in like the fucking, the warped future of like Las Vegas Hill Valley where Biff's in charge with everything. And then he sees that scene like playing on the TV and he drops the fucking plate metal and then mm. like, it zooms in on their eyes. It's like, I knew I was like, Oh shit, that's what that's from. Um, I don't, I don't think I've seen the second Back to the Future. <laughs> it's really not that great. And the third one, I only like bits and pieces of. It's like, yeah. I remember being a kid thinking the second one was cool because it was futuristic. And it had those auto lace fucking Nikes that you put on and like the hoverboard. Oh, yeah, and maybe I shit. have seen that one then. I'm, you have. You had to have seen yeah, it. Yeah, I must have. At least once. But I have yeah. no recollection of it at all. The first one's where it's at for sure oldies but goldies um yeah so that's this movie it's it's uh yeah honestly like when i to go back when we introed i i 
I remember watching it, and I've only seen this one maybe a handful of times in my whole life. And I'm, but I remember the fir- the very first time I saw it, I I really liked it a lot. And it cha- it was kind of a turning. I think this was the turning point movie too for like westerns, because mm. I always thought they were like boring and like. You know, you'd see it, you go to an old person's house and they have them on, on like reruns and crap. And to me, this one kind of like broke that mold. Like I was like, oh, this is actually cool, you know? But right. this watch that I watched for, in anticipation of, of this recording, I was like, ugh, I, I fucking, I just like fell down and like I, I went to sleep. Like I wasn't hmm. trying to. Like my grandpa. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like I passed out for like, so I had to watch this like three times to like like get it and like have a background and we didn't even up fuck we didn't even end up talking about point by point about the movie like i thought we were but <laughs> i was like i didn't want to miss anything when we we're talking about it be like i saw it like 10 years ago i can't remember but <laughs> um yeah i completely passed out for an hour and 15 minutes and had to like just try again um so yeah it just felt really slow to me this this go around but there are some neat little parts that I like about it. Yeah, there's like a, I thought a really clever little ruse when he takes the two dead bodies. Yeah, <laughs> and tells the dope. one clan that two of them survived, and then tells the other clan about it. And it's like, uh, you guys just go here and all kill each other. Yeah, for like the you think of like Clint Eastwood, and he's this gruff, you know, like you know, western. He's shooting people out. He's very sneaky in this fucking movie. He's like. Mm-hmm. pretty clandestine and like going Very to conniving. each other's houses and, and like giving that like whispering in their ear and that'll be $500. Thanks. Um, well, when he, when he knocks that chick out <laughs> and then, and then takes him, takes her over to the Baxters and then, you know, they end up trading her for one of their clan that got kidnapped by the other one. And then uh, they're doing the exchange and she looks over and sees him. I'm surprised she wasn't like, Hey, that's the guy who knocked me the fuck out last night. You know, I mean, maybe she forgot because she was out cold. But if I was him, I would, I would definitely be like yeah. inside, covering my face, like, oh god, she's gonna see me and be like, that's the guy right there, because that yeah, would totally this... blow up his whole thing. Yeah, I was super perplexed by that because, like, I'm super fresh off of watching this, and like, I was paying, I was like really paying attention. I'm like, yeah, why isn't she saying anything? I was like. Maybe in like, you know, it was dark out, but I feel like in that scene, they both recognize each other and he punches her anyway, (laughs) because it was like a full, a good one or two seconds before he does that about zero seconds that he does that. And, um, yeah, I was waiting for that. And I was like, dude, he's being pretty ballsy. He's like sitting out, he's like posted up with like a bottle of liquor and he's like enjoying the show. I'm like go back into the saloon and like peer through the fucking window guy. Yeah. Um, I did like that. His little companion, like the bar owner, mm-hmm. I can't remember what his name is, but um, that was kind of funny. That odd couple of those two. <laughs> and yeah. it was super funny. Like when he crashes at his house at the saloon upstairs and he's like, he's got the covers all the way up to his neck. Like, and he's like just laying there. I was like, "That's weird." Like you think of him as like being this big gruff, you know, gunslinger, and he's sitting there and he's like asking him questions and shit. And he's got the covers all the way up to his fucking neck, and he's like wrapped like a mummy. I'm like, it's just a funny 
juxtaposition to me that I got a little chuckle out of, but um, yeah, yeah, the actor who played Ramon, I thought that guy did a, uh, an awesome job. He was yeah. very believable as like a weird sociopath. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He's a good villain. And you know what? I before I put my foot in my mouth, I almost I think they brought him back for um, the Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and he played the main villain also. But they called him. He was a completely different name. I don't know if that's true. Well, yeah, because he died. When did he say he died? No, I mean in the movie. No, no, no. Yeah, he but died. they they just brought back the actor. Um, well, yeah, yeah, and he was killed. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the second one, or maybe not at all. But I could have sworn, or maybe I'm just confusing him with this dude because he looks similar. But yeah, that was the weird thing. Like when you watch the subsequent movies after knowing that it's supposed to be a trilogy. I remember watching through the second and the third one. I'm like, there is fucking negative zero connective <laughs> tissue to any of this shit. And I yeah. like, sat like really like concentrating and watching like, how does this all interplay? And it's just fucking doesn't. Um, I mean, even, even James Bond movies, it's not like they follow one particular storyline throughout, but there usually is carryover for different chunks, I guess. Right. Or no. Yeah, that's one that's always fucking, like, baffled me a little bit. And my grandpa was a huge fucking James Bond guy. And I remember, like, asking him a couple different times throughout my life, like, but if he's James Bond, who's this other guy? He doesn't even look like him. And it was always like, it's the title. You know, it's James Bond is just the name. It's, like, the cover that you assume. It's not the actual man. So it's like these five James Bonds are completely distinct and separate dudes. They're just all happen to be the cream of the crop fucking spies that, that take up the mantle of James Bond. But I've seen shit that contradicts that. And I think too, like for a series that's, it's been like 50 years and they made 40, 30 or 40 fucking movies. They've different directors have their different idea. So they try to, uh, like change the canon, I guess. Because I think I feel like with the most recent ones, with the Daniel Craig shit, they tried to make it like it was him, like it's just him, and then it's 007 that is the mantle that you take on, and it's not the right. James Bond. So it it's confusing. I me. guess I guess that was more referring to like, I know there are chunks of Bond movies where there's like a, a continuous storyline throughout. But then I've kind of just watched different ones at random. And I'm sure there are times where one comes out and then the next one has like nothing to do storyline wise with the previous one. But I don't know. I could just be talking out of my ass. Well, I think the other thing that makes it even more confusing is that the new James Bonds with Daniel Craig, those are like, actually those aren't like a continuation, like on a spectrum of time of James Bond, they're actually, I think, supposed to be reboots of old James Bond, but with different villains and completely new storylines. But they have yeah, some they have some uh, key connective like figures, like the James Bond, the Q, the Quartermaster, uh, M, who put, is like James Bond's boss. Like, they, mm. they did things to like 
reboot it. So then it then it even gets even more fucking mental gymnastics that you have to do to try to like understand where it's at in the context of the. Uh, <laughs> any hoozles. Um, okay, yeah, I think that's gonna that's gonna wrap it for a fistful of dollars. I guess I'll I'll sum up that it's a dope western, and I think it it, it yeah. broke it broke out Clint Eastwood. Um, it's a good flick. Uh, I don't think it's earth shattering or anything like that. But um, if you were on the fence about westerns and like wanted to get dip your toe into that water, this is a really good entry point. Or high plains drifter, I would say too. So one one thing real quick that I was thinking about during this movie, which is completely unrelated to the movie, but it's kind of related to you, is um, with all the like crazy accurate shooting stuff that they're talking about, and you know, Clint Eastwood takes them down like four of them with four shots, and what's his name is shooting the like heart into the yeah. target or whatever. Um, <laughs> not not to bring a bummer bring it down and be a bummer if anybody's even still listening, but uh, that mall shooting that was in Indiana, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Oh yeah. So uh, the, the first story I heard was this guy goes into a mall bathroom in Indiana and he's in there for like an hour, probably assembling his gun that he brought in in pieces, comes out of the bathroom, starts shooting and a random person who had like a carry permit there takes him down. Which, I mean, those were always fun to hear. Like, wow, crisis averted. This guy just happened to have a gun and kill this guy before he killed a shit ton of people. Like, wow, that's interesting. Um, and then uh, little little bits of information came out. Like, he, he, he took him down from 40 yards away with a handgun. Which, I don't know if you've ever gone, like, target shooting. But 40 yards for a handgun is like, a, it may as well be a fucking mile. That is so long. And yeah, so I think the one I time like, I've gone shooting in my life, when I was shooting a handgun, I was shooting at targets. Like maybe, I don't know, definitely not 40 yards, maybe 10 or I bet, 15. I bet I was going to say, I bet you were like 10 yards away. Out so in, I, I have, I have a, yeah. So yeah, I have really a close. concealed, so I have a concealed carry permit. And when you do the shooting test, the target's like, seven yards away and uh, from what i understand most gunfights like on the street if you're going to get involved in a gunfight it's like six feet away is is yeah. usually you know because it's usually like people fighting and then two people pull out guns and it's like so you're both yards. basically at at arm's length from each other right. so most of the most gunfights with handguns are super super close range so it came out that it was 40 yards and i was like god damn that's crazy good shooting and then it came out that he had shot 10 times within 15 seconds. And so then I'm thinking, ooh, that's kind of, that's almost kind of dangerous depending on the, the circumstances. Like if this guy just fucking unloaded 10 rounds in a busy mall, like, yeah, it's, it was a good outcome, but that's, yeah. that could be potentially dangerous. Like six then it of came those out bullets could have fucking hit someone else. Right. Innocent. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, uh, it, it would be good intentions, but it's like, okay, you, you, hopefully he was being careful and the guy was like up against a wall or concrete or something. But yeah. then it came out that eight of those 10 shots hit the guy from 40 fucking yards away. Damn. And which is unbelievable. And obviously nobody was hurt by the other two, but uh, I was reading this thing 
who this guy is like a expert marksman shooting instructor and he was like that's fucking unreal that this guy was able to do that he tried to recreate it so he set up a target at 40 yards and he's like okay i'm gonna shoot it uh 10 times in i think it was 15 seconds but that might be wrong and he's like i was only able to hit seven out of ten and that's not in the middle of an active fucking shooting situation he's like this guy this guy's accuracy is unreal so uh I just kept thinking about that during the movie and that's insane. Yeah. Who knows, who knows how many people he would have taken down if he yeah, had been killed. It's crazy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I won't get into like the p- political ram- ramifications or anything like that, but um, yeah, that's fucking crazy that he was able to hit that accurately considering yeah. like, you know, adrenaline and like, mm-hmm. you know, nerves that come into play in like a real world application yeah and people screaming and but maybe that's one of those things where it like it bounced the other way and it just made this dude just like cool as shit like like ice water well, in he... his veins and it went the other direction and it just like put him in that 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 weird zone like you hear like moms getting that fucking crazy adrenaline fucking spike to lift a car up to Say yeah, kid or something like that. But I mean, he must have way, he must nuts. have a shit ton of training because if you ever watch like those body cam shows or cops or whatever, they always talk about or they frequently talk about when they get in these crazy stressful situations. It it kind of just it goes back. Their training mode just kind of kicks in. So right. if you've trained really well, great. But if you haven't, you just kind of go into like Neanderthal panic brain. Yeah. I mean, like a fucking I failed a fucking spelling test when I was. 10 years old you yeah. know I, I would crumple <laughs> under the pressure but this guy this guy goes into full john wick mode and takes takes him down from from downtown yeah that's fucking nuts yeah 40 yards is a long feet a lot a, a long distance because that's what three feet in the yard that's 120 feet away yeah so imagine if you're at home plate and your target is second base that's a good distance away yeah that's nuts and you're shooting at something you know, that's like a square foot is what you're aiming for. It's not it's not the movies. You're not trying to shoot somebody in the arm or the leg. Yeah. You're just going to the center of mass. Center of mass. Um, okay. Do you have anyway. any final <laughs> thoughts about this film or anything else you want to speak no, to? No, I'd, I'd highly recommend it if you listen to this and you hadn't seen it yet, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> if you have seen it and you're listening to this, cool. I'm glad we could share this. Yeah, let us know uh, if you have a differing opinion, uh, what you thought of the film, or any other question in general. Uh, you can reach. Yeah, out send to us some us. hate mail. Come yeah, on, yeah, bring it on. We'll read it. Um, uh, that's uh, wax at waxingtheporpoise dot com. You can reach out to us, or on our social media. Uh, Instagram is waxing the porpoise and Twitter is at waxing the porp. Um, I don't, I think we're just going to free ball it for uh, the next episode. Um, Cause that's where I'm at. So it'll be a surprise what the next episode is. I'm not quite sure. We'll Ooh, figure it out. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think we should get back to like a, uh, should get back to an unexplained kind of tip the scales yeah. in the other direction um 
Oh yeah, one thing I I was thinking about it in the car ride on the way on the way back here to record. I was I was like, how did I let him get away with this when we were talking about the fucking card counting? I think it was part two. Either way, where we were talking about costumes and like your setups, and you you had mentioned, and I don't know how I let you get away with this, but uh, you mentioned you had a slim shady. Uh, it's it's more of like a white wrapper kind of thing. Okay. So you don't bleach your hair blonde and wear a no, white tall not yet. and claim you're from Detroit? No. Nope. Eight mile! <laughs> uh, no, nope, not yet. How often do you use that one? Um, I've really only employed it a couple times at <laughs> a, a local casino that really does not want me to come back and they've made that they've made that clear a couple times and they they can also be a little ne- ne- never with me but I've heard stories about them being a little a little handsy with certain people that they don't want there oh. but but the uh I'm the strapped. game that they have there the game they have <laughs> is incredibly valuable and it's just hard to stay away and it's also one of the closest ones to me so, I uh, I haven't been back there in a while now, but when I was trying to go back there, and it's funny because like during COVID, it was great with masks and everything, but certain places would make you pull your thing down at the entrance, which hey, is hey, what kind of place is this? Yeah, which is not not always a great time, especially at a place. Um, I don't think they have really good like facial recognition software, but the more valuable facial recognition is human beings. Like some people are just really, really good at recognizing people. Right. Um, so I would always try to avoid that, but luckily this place has a hotel attached to it. So I could wander into the hotel and I mean, somebody would be there to like check on you. Like, Hey, what can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm meeting a friend of mine who's here. And then just walk into the casino. Like, wow, good job. Yeah. Great security you have here. like fucking Fort Knox. So that kind so, of situation, you could go up like every four hours and just do a wardrobe change. Yeah. I mean, f- for this particular place, I wouldn't play more than 60 or 90 minutes at a time because I don't want them to run an evaluation on me and figure out what I'm doing. Right. Cause it could, it could get a little nasty. So I would just do more of like a hit and run style there Gotcha. versus just camping out. And it's, and like, I'm not leaving until they kick me out. So, just pop in for a quick B and E. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I just I kept thinking about. It. I was like, D- does he fucking bleach his hair and uh, or does he have a wig? And do you start talking like hood, like slang? Like, do you pick up? No, a, it's mo. It's change? like. So I have this. Uh, it's like a bandana. So you know the like bandana plus baseball hat on top kind yeah. of look. Yeah. So plus. Plus, I have this really ridiculous shirt, which you would probably remember actually, because it was it was part of the uh, how. So, I guess, <laughs> is it the Joe little... C shirt? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. So, so a little bit of background for the listeners at home, if they give a shit. One of our old coworkers dressed up as me for Halloween one year, all the way down to like my same shoes. He he like sharpied my. I have a tattoo on my leg that he did a facsimile of and like from the anyway. front, your front of your shin like yeah. from your ankle up to your knee 
yeah. And uh, anyway, but yeah, so if you remember that costume, the shirt he was wearing, that's my, I mean, because yes. it just looks like some generic memorial shirt, like RIP, this guy. Yeah, like a Vato, like a gangster. Like it's got yeah. old, plenty of old English. It's drip. It's yeah. <laughs> overflowing with old English script. And it it fits in perfectly. Yeah, in this <laughs> that's awesome. I always loved the back of it. It says "Down with the Devil." It makes no sense at all. <laughs> There's no, it makes absolutely no sense. Cause I'm down with the devil. Like I don't know if that means down, like defeating. The you know like down with the devil or is it I like it oh no I'm like, down I'm yeah, down with the devil yeah like I think that's what it means is what he's going for like which is homies. funny to put on a memorial shirt because it's like oh you're in hell you're saying yeah. this guy that you <laughs> love and miss is in hell oh man yeah that shirt's so awesome <laughs> yeah it was always that you knew you were in for it when it was like baseball cap red down with the devil Josie memorial shirt army cargo shorts and yep. the black adidas sambas yep <laughs> that should just been your uniform <laughs> like your daily your daily driver all right oh, you mean these god do you just buy them like by the gross like you have a closet <laughs> you have 18 boxes of fucking black sambas <laughs> I don't actually. I, I've I've almost fully transitioned into angry. Get off my lawn. I'm now. Uh, I'm a New Balance guy now. So uh, nice. They are. They're nice. just comfortable shoes. Yeah, <laughs> they are, especially for the wide-footed subset yeah. of our population. Um, yeah. Yeah. I always thought the New Balances. I was like, those shoes look so stupid. Yeah. And, uh, I wear them too. And then you put it on. I get it. Yeah, totally. Well, yep. this was a fun one. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, reach out to us. Leave us a, a like, review, rating, smash that, subscribe, whatever the fuck it is you want to do, and uh, check us out next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. Yours.